Welcome to the Swimming From Home talk show. I'm here with Indiana head coach Ray Luz. Um, yeah, so Ray, to start out with, if you just want to take me through kind of uh, Big Tens happened for the men and the women, um, and then things kind of got rolling with, with COVID-19. What was your experience like um, when that all first started going down? Well, the, you know, the Big Ten meets kind of went like we thought they would. Um, you know, the past few years, we've been putting a priority on NCAA. So we had a lot of unshaved people, people like on just three days rest. And I thought we got through the Big Ten meets pretty well. We had a, a, you know, a good number of people qualified, like, like our men's team, I think. Probably had a great chance to get third, maybe fourth if we had a, an off meet. And so, you know, we were pretty excited. Um, but, you know, I remember like 95% of our women's team getting sick right after the women's Big Ten. So it was during, during us hosting men's Big Ten. So we quarantined them like we would typically do for the flu, but they were sick for like 10 days. And, you know, we've been kind of speculating, you know, did these guys have it? Because it was third week of February and, you know, it's quite possible, you know, but they're young people and they all uh, obviously recovered well, but um, it, was a, it was a really, really severe flu. And, and some people like Cody Miller got it, got it twice. But wow. In any case, we were, you know, we were getting ready, you know, for the meet and we were excited. We had a lot of like new people, you know, juniors make um, NCAAs for the men like Jacob Steele and Spencer Lehman and super excited that that was a Tuesday and then Wednesday, you know, things started to not look so good, you know, and rumors about the meet not happening were, were coming out. And then on Thursday, um, we were starting the taper of a lot of people and during practice it, it got canceled like during practice uh, afternoon practice so it was it was really just surreal um and then it was just a cascading of things like i remember t you know talking to lily king afterward and she said you know if that this would have been my senior year this year i would have been devastated because she was going for eight ncaa championships in a row yeah that was a big deal to her that's something you know she wanted to do from a longevity standpoint and and then like a week later you know the olympics were delayed and we were kicked out of our pool and we were you know roaming around going to evansville and then we have no pool so um yeah and it, and it's it's just been so fast and then everything kind of like died down and, you know, we've been like at home and, you know, the kind of the rat race that we sort of lived in has, you know, stopped. And um, I've, I've decided that I don't know if I'd be a, a good retiree. <laughs> but, uh, you know, so that, that's kind of the take on it to, to this point. Yeah. Um, you know, I know. I know you. You said you just got off uh, your team Zoom, which I know a lot of a lot of teams are are doing now. Whether that's just you know keeping the communication up or doing dry land or whatever. So, what is your role as as the Indiana head coach been you know shifted to now? Yeah. Um, you know, what's your day to day like? We, so we just we just had a head coaches meeting here at Indiana and. 
Um, I took some notes, and we had Tim Elmore um, join us, and he's like an expert in communicating with, um, you know, Generation Z. And, you know, some of his stuff that um, he, he said, um, you know, leading a, a meeting in crisis or leading a team in crisis, personal um, before business. Okay, was his number one thing. So, you know, you know, before worrying about swimming, you know, how are you doing? Because Generation Z, they really are social folks. And so just not going to class or going to practice, it, it, it's probably having a substantial effect on, on kids. And the other thing was, um, Hard conversations before easy ones. So, you know, I, I today I let them know some of the realities that we're going to be facing next year. You know, like not going on training trip. Um, and I would imagine that's going to be across the board with a lot of programs because it's it's been something that, you know, if you're fortunate enough to do it, that's great. But do you really need to do it? Probably not. It could be sacrificed. And then the big picture before the smaller details. So, um, and you know, the most important thing, you know, we, we talk to our kids about is, are you healthy? Um, you know, do you, do you know anyone that's gotten this? And, um, you know, and just making sure so, socially they're, they're okay. They, they don't have any added anxiety. You know, cause some kids were planning on doing internships this summer and those have been erased. I had a bunch of freshmen, probably half my freshman class, incoming freshman class, where they were going to come here and go to summer school. They can still do online um, summer school, but they won't be coming to campus. So, yeah. you know, I just want to make sure that our staff and, and our team as a whole is doing a good job of taking care of every individual. Yeah. Um so on a personal note, what, how have you been spending this time? You know, I'm sure it's more time at home than you've had in quite a while. Yeah. Like if you'd have told me two months ago, I'd be spending this amount of time at home. I would have thought I was retired or something. So, you know, like <laughs> a great example today. So we were looking out the window um, and we have about three acres here and there was a family of foxes, like, you know, a bunch of baby foxes and the mother. And I don't think I would have ever seen that had I been in my normal routine. I, you know, I just wouldn't have had the time. I wouldn't have been here at this time of day to see something like that. And then doing a lot of walking um, and, you know, four or five miles um, a day. And um, when you walk, you see things way more than you would um, if you're driving or even if you're riding a bike. So like just my, my neighborhood, I'm, I'm seeing things that I, that I didn't see before, like changes to people's homes, um, getting to know them a little bit better. Um, so that, that's been pretty awesome. Um, I wish I could say I've been reading books and stuff like that, but I'm more of a magazine guy or an article person. I, I think my attention span is, struggles with the book but um you know just just doing stuff to kind of like um recharge the batteries uh you know it's it's been nice because my last four years has, has kind of been a whirlwind 
where it's been hard to take a vacation or anything. And I, I wouldn't say this is a vacation, but it's, it's nice to have a little downtime too. And I'm, I'm taking advantage of it with my family. Yeah. Have, have you gotten to a point where you feel like you have to get creative about what you're doing or, or finding different ways to do maybe the same thing? Like, you know, for example, an at-home workout where, you know, people aren't, weren't necessarily prepared for this situation and now they're having to, to do things differently. You know, we've just been walking. So we haven't really, my wife and I haven't done anything more than that. Mm-hmm. So, um, but we've gotten a little creative. We've gone to the forest and hiked on the trails, you know, keeping social distancing in mind, of course. So, you know, the state of Indiana, it's a pretty big state but it's only got like 6 million people. So, you know, we could still get outside and in a, in a nice, safe manner. Yeah. Uh, you know, the other thing I've been trying to do is reach out to, to the individuals on the team and just give them a call, see how they're doing. You know, I think it's a good, sometimes as a head coach, it's really hard to get, to have an individual relationship with everybody. Um, you know, when you coach a combined team with professionals, uh, I've talked to a lot of people on the phone. Like, and my screen time is way up. <laughs> and I wouldn't, I wouldn't say I'm watching more Netflix. If, uh, I'm trying to maintain my relationships via the phone. Yeah. What, how, what do you think you, you know, what, what kind of insight do you get from that, talking to that many people? Or have, have you been reaching out to you know, a lot of people say, oh, I've, I've talked to people I haven't talked to in years. Um, I've heard a lot of that recently. Have you reached out to anyone other than, than that circle on your team? You know, yeah, I've, I've had a few club coaches reach out to me. And um, I'll tell you, I've been really, really impressed with what some club coaches are doing. Like, like Tony Betis of PASA. He and I went to college together at USC and some of the stuff he's doing with his team is amazing. Like they're, they're like conducting practices via, via zoom and, you know, doing a pretty darn good job at it to where they still get together at the time they would normally be practicing and it's helping his club kind of stay, you know, you know, stay afloat as well as still deliver the kind of service that, their parents and their kids expected and it's just it's been really it's been creative too um you know and and some of the stuff like today we did uh, a minute to win it challenge because like on zoom it's hard to it's hard to do a bunch of stuff you know when you've got this gallery of people so we we set we set up um emily eaton one of our assistants came up with the idea set up a fork um, and two, you, you laid on the ground two feet away and you rolled the four, you rolled a quarter trying to get it caught in the fork and you had a minute to do this. And believe it or not, it's a lot harder than you would think. Um, so that, those are just some examples of things I'm doing or we're doing. Yeah. Uh, so you mentioned, you mentioned your days at USC, which is, uh, Something I've been wanting to do is just, you know, kind of reminisce with people about their swimming memories or some of their favorite, favorite swimming stories. I know my boss Mel mentions that he was on the national team with you. He brings that up quite frequently uh, whenever, whenever you're mentioned, Um, you know, do you have, have you, 
Do you have a favorite swimming memory from when you were on the national team or in college or high school? I do. So I got, I got one from, I'll go with the national team first because it's a story I tell my team all the time. So I was, I was a member of the 1991 Pan American Games team that went down to Havana, Cuba. And um, it was, you know, the first time Americans have like been allowed in mass allowed into, you know, the country of Cuba, you know, because it, it was, you know, it's still a communist country and whatnot. And, you know, we were, we were doing just great. We were winning gold, silver, you know, kind of sweeping our way through the meat. And um, we'd heard rumors that whenever Fidel Castro, their, their iconic leader, would go to a, a venue that they would win a gold medal. You know, and Cuba has always been good in baseball and, and, and um, boxing, track and field, but not so good in swimming. So, and it was, this was a pretty impressive swimming pool. And um, the, I remember watching prelims of 200 breaststroke and this Cuban breaststroker kind of with a 1970s style stroke, not putting his face in the water or anything, he qualified for the A final. And uh, I was like, wow, that was a really impressive swim by that guy. He dropped a ton of time. And, um, and then, you know, when we came to finals, I remember walking in and my hair stood up on my arms and, on, you know, on the top of my head. And the place was packed to the point where people were on other people's shoulders, lots <laughs> of Cuban flags going back and forth. Yeah. I mean, and this probably seated two or 3,000 people. Okay. And they, they, there was a luxury box that had been empty the whole time. Mm -hmm. And in it was Fidel Castro and his whole entourage, mm -hmm. you know, with the army fatigues and everything. And so, so there was a, on one side it was stands and on the other side were all the competitors. So we were looking at the stands. Mm -hmm. And so the two breaststroke came up and the Cuban guy was like in lane two, mm -hmm. some, so like a two or seven. And we had Nelson and Tyler Mayfield. And Nelson Diebel would go on the next year to win the gold medal at the Barcelona Olympics. Yeah. I mean, this guy was really good. It was, it was not your typical, like, Pan-Americans, B-team type, type group of people. It was a good team. And so the race starts off, and the, the Cubans in, like, last place at the first 50. But all I, I remember, I just was watching this kid because – I was just super impressed by how he swam in prelims. And then he starts moving up on the second 50. And he's in like maybe fifth place. And then on the third 50, the guy just gets shot out of a cannon and picks off the two Canadians, a Brazilian, and he turns at the 150 wall in third place. And I'm like, oh, my God, this guy is going to get – he's going to get a medal, he's going to get a bronze medal. And the two Americans were in front. And then as they're coming down the home stretch, I'm looking at Tyler Mayfield and he's tying up and the Cuban passes him. And I'm like, I cannot believe it. Nelson still had a body length or two lead. And in the last 25, the Cuban pulled even to where they were even at the flags. And then they touched the wall simultaneously. And I was like afraid to look at the scoreboard. And I looked at it and the Cuban won. And it's the greatest upset I have ever witnessed in the sport of swimming. And the guy leaped out of the water like he hadn't even swum a race. Cuban people fell out of the stands. So it was like a 12-foot fall. 
Like they, one guy was like limping. They threw flags down and they wrapped the guy in, in a Cuban flag and they stopped the meet and they paraded him around a 50 meter pool like two or three times. <laughs> and I was like, and I had, to, I had to really go to the back for this. The only way to get across the pool, you couldn't w walk across the deck. There was like a tunnel underneath. And so like I ran through that tunnel and as I'm going to the tunnel, Fidel is coming the other way to give out guys award. Cause um, one of my, my friends back at Texas was Dorsey Tierney and she'd won, I think she won the gold medal for the women. Mm -hmm. And she, she always used to say that Fidel get, you know, put the medal around her neck. Mm -hmm. And um, I walked right by Fidel Castro, like, you know, just maybe, maybe a foot away. And, yeah. um, and then, and then we got back to the village and it was just a socialistic type TV thing where there was a political channel and a sports channel and all night long was this Cuba guy winning the gold medal and <laughs> that, that dominated the whole news scene. But I tell, I always tell my team, no matter who you are, like if you get a lane, if you're in lane eight, you can still win the race. If you're in lane two, you can still win the race um, because I've seen that done by nobody. And, the, and he, I don't think he did anything after that, but mm -hmm. boy, that guy had his day in the sun. So that's kind of my favorite national team story. Um, yeah. Collegiate story, like when I was at USC, um, I remember my junior year, I was at the Indianapolis Natatorium and um, my teammate um, at USC, I was swimming a 400 IM with David Wharton. And David Warden used to just kill people. He'd be like almost to 25 ahead of everybody else. He was like the world record holder. And, um, you know, I think on either side of him was myself and then Eric Namesnick, you know, who, who was the great Michigan corner diamer who, who passed away a few years ago, sadly. But, you know, we were all competitors and I was always the third wheel in that, in that group. <laughs> uh -huh. And uh, this, I think, my senior year and I remember um I was on the 200 medley relay and then I had to go do the 400 IM like 10 minutes later and I'm like I'd never made that relay so I was excited to make the relay but I'm like how am I going to swim a 400 IM like right after that's like I'll be too tired or like and my heart rate was still beating I remember that on the blocks and I, I dove in for the race and you know I was like right next to I was hanging with names Nick Hammond hang, hanging with names Nick and got down to the freestyle and I looked over and I was like next to him. Wharton was killing us both, but I was like, wow, I could actually get second in this race. So I, you know, I flipped with every, you know, 25 of the freestyle still next to him, still next to him. And I think I went no breath the whole last 25. <laughs> and I, and I, I was three one hundredths of a second and we took one, two in that race, which at NCAAs is super hard to do. And it's a moment I won't forget. I didn't win or anything, but it was pretty cool to to beat a great swimmer like Eric. And uh, and he was so motivated after that race. He he broke the American record, or you know that 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 very summer. So those yeah. are my those are my two stories. Wow, those <laughs> those are good ones. I have that Cuba one is uh, yeah, that's amazing. Um, that's really cool to hear. I'll get you, I'll get you the name. I, you know, a friend of mine looked it up cause he was like, I don't believe that story. And I, and I was like, man, I hope it's true. Cause like I've been telling that so much, you know, I hope my memory. <laughs> yeah. It was almost 30 years ago now. And the guy 
my God, it was, you're right. It was Luis so-and-so, but it, like Luis Fernandez or, or something like that. But mm -hmm. uh, yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, <laughs> so, so back to more, um, I guess, current circumstances, yeah. I guess maybe just for closing thoughts, you know, what do you see um, out of this situation moving forward? Maybe, you know, once your team can get back to more of a normal routine, I mean, do you see positives coming out of this? Do you have ideas for, for moving forward? I do, I do see positives. I think um, just in talking to some of my recruits who are, you know, signed or committed or my own team, they really miss going to class and going to practice. They miss it desperately. And I think that they're going to be more grateful that um, they can do that. And I think coaches kind of miss going to work. And we all do. So I think we're going to be more grateful for what we have because, you know, what we've been doing has been, you know, largely taken away from us. But I look at this, you can look at this situation as a roadblock or like a toll booth. And I want to look at it as a toll booth where it's a pause. You know, it's a pause going through something, but you're going to get to the other side, but you have to pay. And, and we're having to pay a little bit with this, you know, with this pause. Um, but I, I, I think that different parts of the country are going to get back sooner um, than others. Like if you're in the Midwest, um, you know, we, we've kind of come through this large, Mostly unscathed, except for the economic um, impact. Yeah. But I think different parts of the country are going to reopen in a not equitable fashion. And that, that is just the way it is from a safety standpoint. But if you're in New York, you know, it may be a while and it may be peaking in other places later. But, you know, when it's safe to come back, I think everybody's got their health experts. I know we have a team of three doctors and they'll determine when it's safe. And then we're going to come back, I think, in tiers. So, and it may be something like four tiers where it's very gradual, you know, like you don't just group a bunch of people together right off the bat. It'll be like, you know, still doing social distancing, but you can come back and practice and then more and more people over time so that there's not like a flare up. Um, and if we could just get some training in the summer, I'd be grateful. Um, I, I would assume there's going to be no meets first meets if we're lucky they'll start like october november you know and that'll be that and hopefully we will put this behind us but i i don't I think some things won't won't really change um but some things will i think swimming is a is a safe thing to do because from what i understand the virus doesn't really do well in chlorine um, copper copper and chlorine it doesn't like it so you know hopefully our sport you know will will benefit from from those things yeah well awesome thank you so much for your time ray i really that was a pleasure and i really appreciate it you betcha coleman good luck to you and hope you you, you and your family stay safe yeah thank you you as well